Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week eight in the books. How you doing? Uh, the Hokies won the bye. I'm doing fine. Yeah. It didn't lose this week. Yeah. I, I texted you at one point last weekend th- th- thinking, you know, maybe this is a good week that Georgia Tech didn't play because there was mm-hmm. some kind of wacky stuff going on. Mm-hmm. This might have been a better week for the Hokies to not be playing because I think yeah. Yeah. we had five games in the ACC this weekend. I think every single one of them got pretty like sideways, squirrely. It was a weird situation in every single one of these games. It was weird. Yeah, for sure. A lot of weird stuff happened. A lot of regrettable things on the field happened. But the one thing I will say is that at least no ACC school put up any sort of uh, Hitler montages on the video board. <laughs> so do have that going for us. So proud of the ACC for that. The, that was one of the better tweets I saw today was uh, Bunky Perkins on Twitter. Someone, some national writer had tweeted out, you know, like, what did you learn in week eight in college football? And Bunky yeah. replied where Hitler was from. <laughs> where Hitler was from. And, and if, if you, you haven't know, seen that, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, this is a joke about a, a, a just a ridiculous unforced error from the uh, Michigan State game. It, it doesn't take much. Just look up, I don't know, Michigan State Hitler, and you'll probably find it out. So, yeah. And <laughs> don't do it on your work computer, though, I guess. That's somehow not the worst thing that has permeated throughout that football program this year. So, yeah. very weird. Alex Kirshner had a Hall of Fame tweet. Hall of Fame. I will not be reading it on this family program here. Hall of Fame. um, In any case. Uh, Mike, yeah, we had five games to recap here. Um, For the people that know, we we were planning on doing this Saturday night. Um, We both got some personal circumstances throughout the day on Saturday and ended up having to call an audible. Um, just realizing that it was not gonna it was not gonna work out particularly well for us to recap last night. So apologies for the inconvenience. We are live right now Sunday night on youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, you probably would have seen this update come through if you were subscribed and have hit the bell icon to be notified of when we're going live. Um, so appreciate your all's flexibility. Apologize for the inconvenience. Thank you to the folks that are here now and joining us in the chat. Uh, we we really appreciate your your attendance and your participation and uh, being a part of our community. So thank you to that, um, Mike. We wanted to try something a little bit different with this recap. Um, y- you might have noticed the recaps that we've done last week. We did a recap of five games, and I believe it took us the better part of two hours to get there. Yeah. Um, something we wanted to try a little bit differently this week is if we do kind of one of these like rapid recaps that you've heard. So let's take like ten minutes, go through all the games. And then after that, we can kind of find different things to ruminate on with each one. How does that sound? Let's do it. Let's do that. Uh, how do you do? You want to call them out as usual, or do you want me to? You want to just go in chronological order so we get yours out of the way first. God. The, the quicker we can get this out of the way, probably the better for this yeah. year uh, podcast. Boston College thirty-eight, Georgia Tech twenty-three. Um, Yikes! Number Yikes. one. Give credit to Boston College. Yes, there were plays to be made, and they made them. Um, Thomas Castellanos, there was some talk coming into this game that he had been recruited by Georgia tech. They specifically recruited him as a defensive back. They thought he is not capable of playing quarterback at this level. That is, uh, that is the Jeff Collins staff for what it's worth, which, you know, there are a couple of holdovers, but, uh, the thought was that, oh yeah, you're, you're not able to play quarterback at this level. He might be extra motivated. Well, buddy, he, uh, he proved he can play quarterback at this level. 
Um, he threw for 255 yards, did have an interception. That was a, a really a fantastic play by the Georgia Tech defensive back. Um, but then he also ran for 128 yards and two scores. Um, Boston College overall ran for 308 yards in this game. Georgia Tech, I mean, there were moments that were good, but there were a, a lot of pretty bad moments in this game. I will say that I, I felt like Georgia Tech should be winning this game, is, is a better team, should be a better team, should be able to win this game, did not. Extremely frustrated. We can get into that uh, later with how this all went. Georgia Tech had a lead. Uh, they were up 23-17 to 17 going into the fourth quarter and end up giving up 21 points unanswered to end the game. So that's how you end up losing by 15 in a game that you led entering the fourth quarter. So uh, a lot went on there. I was incredibly frustrated. Uh, this is a, this is a big win for Boston College, honestly. Going on the road as an under, underdog and getting that win. Two really pivotal fourth quarter turnovers by Georgia Tech here. Mm -hmm. uh, three interceptions King, in this game by Haynes King. Yeah. Haynes, yeah. Haynes King threw three picks. Uh, he was not very good here. No. And that's starting to become a trend from Haynes King, which we'll, again, we'll talk about here shortly as we, uh, as we go through this. Yep. Um, overall, you know, I, it, it was really kind of strange too. And I'll mention this. And then again, we can kind of dive in on it a little bit, but uh, there was an expected kind of a model for this game of, you know, well, Georgia tech is, is pretty bad at run defense. Boston college, pretty bad at pass defense. And then all of a sudden in the first half, it was like Georgia Tech was running the ball down Boston College's throat and, and Boston College's passing attack was dicing up Georgia Tech. It was like very kind of opposite world. Again, it, this is just the start of a bizarre Saturday in the ACC. So in any case. Yeah, Georgia Tech should probably stop giving up like seven or eight yards per play to opponents. I would advise. I, I support that. that. I support that motion. Yeah. Uh, let's move on, Mike. Wake Forest 21, Pittsburgh 17. Um, I... As somebody who might could have won their Pick'em League this week, if Pittsburgh had covered uh, and won this game, I demand a recount because the way that this game ended, if you didn't see, was kind of an all-time ACC refs insert themselves into the game kind of moment. It was. I, I think Christian Veyu will now learn uh, that it's 10 yards to pick up a first down, not eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, it... I. If you don't know what we're talking about, basically Pittsburgh has the ball with, and and this is, they were basically in kneel down territory if they convert a third down, which, you know, hi Miami fans, but they, they were basically in kneel down territory. They've got third and nine backed up on their own into the field. Uh, Christian Veyu, Veyu, um, yeah, scrambles, has the, he's got all nine yards, um, He's not about to get hammered or anything like that. He's got a little bit of space just to be sure if he wants to. He could even step out of bounds, Mike. And instead, he decides to do the QB slide. And the officials, I guess, decide that he starts his slide well before the first down marker, which, I mean, maybe. But like, that's at the very, very letter of the law, maybe. But it's like you never see it enforced that way any other time during a game. And, and that's where I had an issue with it is like they never enforce it this this strictly. So instead of having the first down, being able to put the game away, you know, and kneel it out, they have to punt. Wake Forest goes down the field, scores a touchdown with about seven seconds left in this game, I think. And, uh, and they end up winning at home in a game that, again, was just kind of totally bizarre. Yeah. Um, there were what? 
21 points here scored in the final seven minutes of this game. Yeah. Uh, also, multiple really bad Pittsburgh penalties as well. Uh, mm-hmm. They had several of those in this game. 101 yards worth of penalties for Pittsburgh. So not yeah. going to win many games like that. Uh, thanks for reminding me of Christian Vayar's uh, pronunciation there. Uh, he should also learn to use something other than the metric system to pick up, you know, the whole 10 yard conversion thing. Real talk. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's easy to forget, you know, when you're, I believe he is actually like at least Canadian, if not French Canadian. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, you have to, Mike, you have to remember it's VAR when you see the R in that last name. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. How, how could I, how could I have missed it? Don't mess that up. Yeah. Uh, Mike, the upset of the day, not only in the conference, but in college football in general, Virginia 31, the number 10 North Carolina Tar Heels. Listen, 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 27. Listen, I will give I will give Virginia all the credit in the world when we dive back into this in a couple of minutes, because Virginia deserves a lot of credit for Virginia how they played this awesome. game and how they went up. Virginia is awesome. Opportunity to play the drop. We That was requested in my uh, Twitter mentions. So there we go. We got that. We got that in there. Uh, I will talk about Virginia plenty because Virginia played well enough to win this game, deserved to win, outplayed North Carolina. We're going to talk about that a lot. What I want to talk about for the next 25 seconds or so is, oh, my God, North Carolina. Oh, my God. This is a Mac Brown special. If mm-hmm. I've ever heard of one, this is what they do, right? Just when you think they're turning the corner, right? They got the offense figured out. They got the defense figured out. You know, the, the quarterback and Drake May has, has been playing really good football in particular over the last like two or three weeks is playing really, really good football. It really looks like they're starting to turn a corner. And then lo and behold, they lose to one and five Virginia. Dear God, Mac Brown, recruit whoever you want. Keep bringing in all those fantastic recruiting classes. Keep changing up the assistant coaches and hope things change. Sometimes you just can't get the stink out. You know, this is just what they do. This is what Carolina does. They are a good football team that does this on average at least two to three times per year. Right. And maybe we're just going to get the back half of October and early November this year. This is what they do. I think North Carolina alumnus Chip Patterson said it best on the uh, cover three instant recap last night that North Carolina pulled a Clemson here. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. If, and if and if you uh, are new enough to college football or whatever and don't get that reference, that's yeah, well, we can explain that in a little bit. But this is I mean, yeah, all the credit in the world to Virginia for being in this game. Tony Musket played best game we've seen him play so far. I don't know that it was flawless, but. Um, it was the best game we've seen him play so far, and and it was good enough to win, clearly. Credit to Virginia, but yeah, this is uh, a little bit of a yikes moment for North Carolina. And So bad. Yeah, bit rough, bit rough. Um, number four, Florida State, 38. Number 16, Duke, 20. Uh, a game that was squirrely for a while. Duke yeah. was up 17-7, to I think, in the second quarter, and... You kind of were looking at this wondering, like, they're not actually going to do this, are they? Uh, Riley Leonard started this game, was not at 100% as expected, uh, was very much hampered kind of physically trying to move around. And ultimately, he gets knocked out, I think, was it late in the third quarter or something? And that seemed like it was about all she wrote. Duke had the lead at the time, uh, but Florida State hit the gas. And and Duke, I think Duke's defense ran out of gas. And that was... Well, Joey disappeared. Uh, I'll finish this for him. Uh, Florida State, 
just this is what happens here with duke right so duke hangs around they have the pick six you're back yeah me me accidentally hitting back on my browser mid-recording is probably a a go acc moment of the week candidate so yeah anyways go ahead uh no i was just gonna say duke has that pick six early in the game and they give this illusion that they're going to actually compete here for uh, duke's defense played well for stretches Mm -hmm. and then they got worn down and the offense just Duke's offense was not very good in this game. Right. You can talk about Riley Leonard going out and that was significant. And I don't want to act like that didn't impact the game because it did, but Riley Leonard wasn't exactly playing his best football when he was in the game. Right. He was seven of 16 passing 69 yards. Nice. And interception mm-hmm. uh, Duke's offense averaged less than five yards per play here. Uh, they were really struggling to move the football here uh, in total. Duke only had 273 yards of total offense. Florida State warmed down, and then Florida State's explosive playability in the second half in particular just really put this game to bed. So Duke gave the illusion they were going to compete early off that pick six, and that was about it. They had nothing to offer offensively in this football game. I think we could play the what-if game of if Riley Leonard is 100%, you know, what does this game look like? But, yeah, I mean, it was clear that the best thing that Duke had going was their run game, and they they schemed up some stuff. They they did a nice job, I think, getting some stuff out of their run game. But ultimately, as the game wore on, it just wasn't it wasn't enough. And yeah, this is where we talk about Duke. You know, th- this is where they're going to struggle against the very best teams, I think, because Duke is very well coached. They do not have the dudes to to hang with a Florida State for 60 minutes. And, and honestly, yeah. there's not a lot of teams that do. So there's no shame in that. Right. Uh I- I did not feel bad about my Florida State minus 14 and a half pick really at any point in this game because it just seemed like while Duke was up early, they could not sustain drives at mm-hmm. all. And we'll get into that more in a bit. Yep. Yep. Uh, last one, Mike Clemson. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Miami 28 uh, Clemson 20 in double overtime. Um this was a little bit of a yikes performance for Clemson, I think, just with the way that this game unfolded. I mean, Clemson's up 17-7 to 7 in the second half. Uh, sorry, in the fourth quarter. And by the way, that, that thing that we mentioned on the preview of keep an eye out on Tyler Van Dyke's health. Uh, yeah. You know, didn't he took play. a lot of shots last week. You know, wonder how, you know, if he's fully 100%. Mike, Tyler Van Dyke didn't play in this game. Nope. Uh, he was out injured from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So Didn't even dress. Had, yeah, you had true freshman Emery Williams in there playing. Um, he struggled for most of this game. They finally kind of got him into a rhythm in the fourth quarter. Um, Clemson had chances to put this game away, and they just couldn't do it. And yeah. this is a hell of a frustrating loss for Dabo Swinney and that team. They're yeah. four and three. Miami finally gets the home win at home uh, in ACC play under Mario Cristobal. So congrats to the Canes. Clemson still has North Carolina, Notre Dame, and they also have South Carolina. South Carolina's not very good, but it's a rivalry game, and they went into Death Valley and beat them last year. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a wrap on Clemson. Maybe they should use a transfer portal is a theory I have. Hmm. In addition, uh, Clemson's total uh, just a lack of offensive prowess late in this football game totally overshadowed the fact that Mario Cristobal had another late-game management gaffe that is just totally glossed over now because yeah. Miami still found a way to win the game. He cannot coach his way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> his game management. Horrendous. I, I, I would, I would say will actively lose Miami games, except it, it has already lost them at least one game this year that I can specifically remember. 
has oh of them. yeah I almost did it twice mm-hmm. <laughs> almost mm-hmm. did it the second time yep like that was a uh, what was that like 12 minutes how do we do i think we did okay it's 11 more than i need baby <laughs> that's the spirit that's the spirit um all right, that was the five ACC games of the weekend. I, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed the little rapid recap there. Let's uh, take a look back and kind of go through some of this a little bit more. Uh, first of all, we'll mention that the uh, rapid recap brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, they have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, something for uh, men, women, children, something for the whole family. Uh, I've got the performance wear on still because, as Scott mentioned, it is still like 90 degrees down here in Houston, and I'm I'm sick of it. I am over it, but here we are. Uh, I was wearing the coach hoodie a week ago when it was actually cool and nice, so that uh, I, I looked great. It was super comfortable. Highly recommended. Um, go find they've got jerseys supporting uh, Dante Smith, Haynes King, Zach Pyron, everybody uh, doing some NIL stuff. They've got the official word marks, the official tech gold, the ATL logo, everything that you could want to support Georgia Tech and wearing great, great, comfortable, high-quality apparel. It's all at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Really appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership. Uh, Really appreciate you guys for showing your support for us and for Section 103 by buying their stuff. Uh, You will not regret it. Highly recommended. Remind me to do the other advertisements later. I'll remind you. Thank you. you. Uh, Mike, should we go to the big upset of the day? Yeah, let's and, go there first. Uh, and start there. So yeah. once again, Virginia 31, the number 10 at North Carolina Tar Heels 27. This was a um, – I'm kind of with you of, again, all the credit in the world to Virginia. I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but there's a reason that you were you know, a 23.5-point underdog in this game. Um, yeah. It, it, there's a reason that North Carolina had the little number 10 next to their name. Like, right. North Carolina has been awesome. I don't know if they were just asleep at the wheel here. They, for a lot of this game, they just didn't really look like they were really engaged. Um, I mean, this game was 14, 14 all, I think, early in the second quarter. Um, and, and North Carolina actually had a halftime lead, 17-14. The, the run game was, like, kind of effective at times for North Carolina, but not enough. Like, they put this whole thing on Drake May. I'm wondering a little bit if there's something is there something going on with Drake May in this passing game that you know he's 24 of 48 on the night here yeah uh, 50 percent there were there were some drops there was some inaccuracy like there were just a number of moments that something was off for North Carolina's offense here and with the way that their defense has played through the year I I really was kind of disappointed to see how much they had an issue stopping Virginia's run game which has not been anything particularly special for most of the year, but boy, they, uh, they, they got their, their work done tonight. It was rough. Uh, oh, tonight. It happened tonight too. Tonight. Sure. Yeah. It's times a flat circle. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing I just want to note here is that Carolina basically went entirely away from the running game in the second half, which I'm trying to figure out why, Right. Amari and Hampton was averaging six yards per carry. Um, he had 112 yards rushing and a touchdown. A lot of that was in the first half. Mm-hmm. They just kind of went entirely away from the running game. I noticed that, especially like in the fourth quarter, it was just pass play, pass play, pass play. Like didn't even really try to run it for the most part. And and I think they Carolina panicked here a little bit, right? They were realizing 
in the fourth quarter that they weren't able to gain separation from the team coming in that we all thought maybe still continue to think is the worst team in the ACC. Uh, it was kind of shocking the way they really couldn't pull away here. And Drake may you mentioned only complete half his passes mm-hmm. was really just struggling to connect with his receivers. There were some drops. Do want to note that a couple of real ugly ones too. Um, Tez Walker, real good again, 146 yards receiving on 11 catches. Uh, continue to understand why they were really advocating for him to be eligible. Really good. But Carolina's defense, to me, or lack thereof, is the story here, right? Like, we have not had this issue much this year with Carolina where their defense just hasn't really shown up to play. The defense didn't show up to play here. I mean, this is a Virginia offense that has really struggled to move the ball consistently all year, right? Mm -hmm. It has been a total lack of complimentary football for Virginia for most of the season on the offensive side of the ball. One game, the pass game will be working a little bit. One game, the running game will be working a little bit. It's been very few and far between in terms of performances where both have been working together at the same time. But lo and behold, this game, Virginia puts up 436 yards of offense. They had 208 through the air, 228 on the ground. It was a very balanced attack. Um, I thought Tony Musket, we've given him a lot of lot of shit on this show. A ton, right? Mm-hmm. He played really well. Yep. Um, he played really well here. Completed two-thirds of his passes for 200 yards and a touchdown. Um, added 66 yards on the ground. He was good. Uh, he gave North Carolina a bunch of issues. And I just think that Carolina, it was one of those games where they kind of rolled the helmets out. And you have a lot of veterans on this Carolina team that unfortunately have kind of seen this kind of game before. And there was a big time panic factor here. Mm-hmm. This was, we're in a game where we're playing down to our opponent. We rolled the helmets out, thought we were better at home, by the way, and they just never really got going. Virginia came in motivated, wanted to play well. Uh, Tony Elliott back against the wall because there are some people arguing me on Twitter in my mentions, but like Tony Elliott is on the hot seat. (laughs) Like you can't just win one game a year, right? Like you can't do that. Yeah. Um, In the ACC, you can't do that in power five. After the year they had last year, you can't come out in year two and win one game. You right. just can't do it. So they came out backs against the wall, go to Chapel Hill. They're not afraid to play there, clearly. I, and not to take shots at North Carolina, but like I don't understand why you would be afraid to go play in Chapel Hill just to begin with, right? Carolina is a good team, but it's not like this this home, crazy home field advantage, and that's why you go there and lose. Yep. So Virginia just came in motivated. Carolina was asleep at the wheel. By the time they figured out what was going on, it was kind of too late. Uh. Carolina didn't commit a ton of turnovers here, right? Like Drake may threw the one pick. That was it. Like Carolina didn't fumble or anything like that. Well, and that was, um, I mean, that was like the last play of the game effectively. Right. I mean, and, and, right. no, and that was on a play by the way, that it was a, it was an interception because there was a defensive end that came in more or less untouched mm-hmm. that smoked him from the blind side as he's trying to throw the ball, like it, it just really disrupted the play. So it's like, how much was that even his fault? Right. I don't know. There was just a there was a lot of failures kind of across the board in this game for North Carolina. Like not a lot of, of moments where everything was really clicking and working together. Um, there was a key moment. I think it was in the fourth quarter here where and it was it was really a, a pretty crazy moment that Virginia was moving the ball, going in, ready to score. I, I think it was 
31 27 i think the final score was was there yeah yep it was and they're they hand the ball off there's a run play and it's like it's gonna be close to a touchdown the ball comes out i think it was mike hollins had the it ball was. and he, he was going in for his fourth touchdown of the game by the way he already had three <laughs> he was he was awesome in this game um, going in for his fourth touchdown, there's a fumble. It goes out of the back of the end zone. It's a huge break for North Carolina. Ice the game. I mean, yeah. Carolina was in. Carolina would have been in deep trouble there. That, that was about four, just under five minutes ago. I would say four or five minutes left, something like yeah. that. And uh, it goes out of the back of the end zone. It's a, a touchback Carolina ball. Like three plays later, Carolina has the ball like on the edge of field goal ter- or on the edge of the red zone, basically. Like they just boom, 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 right down the field, ready to score. And just got stonewalled for four plays. Um, and, and it was, you know, a drop. It was a, you know, incomplete pass here. Like sack, it was just sack was, on first down. It was the, the whole thing just stalled instantly. And, you know, some credit to Virginia's defense, but also like North Carolina. What what are y'all practicing? Like, what are y'all doing? I You know, that, that's not what that offense has looked like at almost any moment. I do, I do want to call out. You mentioned Tez Walker having 11 catches for 146 yards. Tez led the team in receptions. There's only uh, one other person that even had five receptions on yeah. this team um, in this game. And by the way, the 11 catches that there were a number or even more targets that went to him. Yeah. And, and this was a game that I started to wonder and think a little bit like, yeah, adding him to this offense, like that adds that ups the talent level. It ups the capability. But man, Drake May was really just locked in on trying to get the ball to Tez Walker the whole time. Yeah. Like you you have other receivers, Drake. Like, why are we not why are we not throwing the ball to them at all? So that, that was something that kind of stuck out to me is like I wonder if things would have gone any better had uh, you know, had you maybe distributed the ball a little bit better than you did. Then again, I know that like Nate McCollum had like 12 targets, only had two catches in this game. So it's not like he was getting a lot of help from from the other guys, at least. Yeah. Park this Robinson is, is a huge Virginia fan. Pumped about this win. Also is a huge Virginia fan. I'm devastated because this probably means another year of Tony Elliott. <laughs> uh, that's college football in mm-hmm. a nutshell, isn't it? I'm happy. I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is... I mean, this is Elliott's biggest win at Virginia. Granted, there aren't that many to choose from. This is his biggest win. Uh, I don't know, man. I I kind of agree with your point about just peppering Tez Walker with targets and like, does that really? But then again, you know, you look at Ohio State earlier in the day, right? And Ohio State, a big reason they won is because they threw their best receiver the ball like 17,000 times and eventually Penn State just broke. Mm hmm. That's what Carolina is hoping to do with Tez Walker. Now, Tez Walker is a very good wide receiver. He is not Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously. A little yeah, bit, yeah. A little bit different. Yeah. But same sort of same sort of concept, right? I think Carolina's got I, – I think Carolina, the way they're built as an offense, they need to have more balance. Uh, we've talked about how well they've run the ball this year, how good Chip Lindsey's offense has looked because of the balance that they've had, uh, you know, compared to recent years where it just feels like it's been a really pass heavy offense. I think they got away from that in the second half here. And I think mm-hmm. that's really kind of what did them in Carolina was running the ball really well, but you kind of lose track of the plot when you're throwing the ball that much. I mean, Drake may is a very good quarterback. He's certainly capable of throwing the ball 50 times, but he's only completing half of his passes in the scenario for this reason. Number one, I thought Virginia's defense or secondary in particular 
you know, the, the stats look pretty decent for Drake May, but I thought the Virginia secondary held up pretty well in this game. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they really held up well. They played a good game. Yep. They did for sure. And, and I just think Carolina is in the spot where when you're throwing it that many times, there, there becomes like a game script element of it too. Like Virginia just knows you're just going to throw it a bunch, right? And I think that's a big reason too why the secondary played as well as it did, particularly in the second half. It's okay, you got Carolina down. You know they're going to throw to get themselves out of it. I get that. But Carolina didn't do themselves any favors with the game script either. A lot of trying to throw the ball on first down, a lot of like negative plays on first down, putting them behind the sticks, and then you have to throw. And they just went away from the run game. It really hurt them, I thought, in this game. And give Virginia a ton of credit. I I really don't want to take anything away from Virginia because I I tweeted this. They played well enough to win the game. But it is so funny that Carolina lost this game. Like Mm -hmm. It's it's hysterical. Like I can't believe they lost it. I mean, they were three touchdown favorites here at home. This is crazy. I mean, it's crazy, but it's not. This This is Mac Brown through and through. Chris Grondon, UNC is two and three overall and one and four against the spread against Virginia in the Mac Brown area. That's uh that's interesting. I mean, it's it's easy to forget that like Virginia was, I think, a decidedly more consistent, competent, like solid program under Bronco Mendenhall than they have been here in two years under Tony Elliott. Uh, but yeah, that's a stat. Uh, also want to call out Kenneth Burnett, by the way, uh, a, a name that we haven't mentioned really almost at all. I think on this podcast, yeah. Malik Washington. Yeah, uh, low key leading the conference in receptions and yards, and I think touchdowns as well. A dude, yeah, he good, he good. Uh, yeah. He uh, in this game, he had twelve catches for one hundred and fifteen yards and a score. He was by the twelve of the twenty complete passes for Virginia went to Malik Washington. So talk about peppering your best receiver. That's right. Get that man the ball. Get that man the ball. Um, and then. <laughs> Drew, I don't know how to say your last name. I'm going to say Drew Labas. Uh, bad loss for North Carolina, but still love the CW broadcasts because there is nothing that makes me happier than hearing the announcers, specifically James Bates, read the promo for F Boy Island. <laughs> that, yep. that got a lot of run on Twitter yesterday and today. <laughs> that, that, uh, yeah. Batesy get- out there uh, with. <laughs> the F Boy Island. That did get read. That did get a lot of run. Outstanding. It's- yeah, this is what the CW and ACC network do. They run the same ad 17,000 times. <laughs> and, and and by the way, the whole uh, CW broadcast is going to come up again later in the show. So uh, keep it tuned here if you want to reminisce we have, on. We have a special award <laughs> to give mm-hmm. out for that one. Well, it's called the Goey Moment of the Week, I think. Yes. But in any case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I, unless I think of a new one between now and then, I'll let you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mike, anything else on this game? No, I think I think Carolina will be fine. I think this is a blip on the radar. I do want to say that. I, I think they'll be okay. Does that include next week? Well, I don't want to speak for the weird <laughs> things that happen when Georgia Tech plays ranked teams, but and sure. North Carolina especially. I mean And I guess when North Carolina Atlanta. plays bad on ranked teams, this is kind of what they do. Can they do it two weeks in a row? Anything is possible. Yeah, stay tuned to find out. It's the beautiful game. Virginia 31, North Carolina 27. Where to, Mike? Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about Pittsburgh and Wake. (laughs) This game, like, I I feel like the final score of this game does most of it like a disservice. Like, 
you see 2117, it's like, oh, you're like this, you know, it was kind of slow scoring all this. No, no, no. There were 24 points scored in this in the fourth quarter of this game alone. Like yeah. through three quarters, it was seven all. Um, and it was, I mean, it was largely ugly. Uh, a lot of short drives, short possessions, punts. I mean, the first half drive chart here, right? So Pitt gets the ball to start the game, goes 13 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. From there, the drive chart reads, <coughs> punt, 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 downs, punt, punt, touchdown, end of half. Get a little beat going there. Mm-hmm. Re- read that again. Punt, read that again punt, for punt, me so punt, I can punt. get the, uh, read that again so I can get my head bob going. Punt and punt and punt and punt and punt and downs and punt and punt and touchdown. End of half. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then, Wait, by the way, the what? third quarter, punt and punt and punt and downs and punt and punt and interception field goal. <laughs> yeah, this game uh, this game took a long time to – it was like well into the fourth quarter before this got off of 10 to 7, basically. And then things got really loose in the final like seven minutes here. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we, we have to remember here that Wake Forest was starting their third-string quarterback, Santino Marucci. It was a battle of an Italian versus a French-Canadian. At least, we uh, think Yeah, that's, that's worth mentioning here, by the way, that we should probably mention that Wake's starting quarterback, uh, Mitch Griffiths, did not play in this game. Mrs., or Wake's backup quarterback, Mike Kern, Michael Kern, also did not play in this game. Santino Marucci handled all of the quarterback duties for Wake Forest in this game. It did not go well for the most part until it kind of did at the end. Sure. Sure. Uh, I I think what I think Wake Forest needs to do is number one, a couple things. Number one, they have to uh, figure out which one of their quarterbacks is going to be healthy on a week to week basis. Number Mm -hmm. two, they have to protect him, right? And then number three, they need to like, even if it's just like a third of what their offense was last year and and then the last couple of years with Sam Hartman, just kind of like harness that because it's just there's no semblance of a passing game right now, really. I mean, Marucci made a big time throw to win the game, so I don't want to take anything away there, obviously. But Wake's offense and I, I know Wake's won four games. This was a big one for bowl eligibility, by the way, for Wake Forest. We talked about that in the preview. We kind of teed it up that way. Like mm-hmm. the the winner would have a chance to make a bowl game too. The loser most certainly was not going to make one. Yeah, Pitt at this Just, point needing to win four out of your final what five? Like, yeah, they're cooked. They're not getting there. Yeah, they're not getting there. Biggest disappointment in the ACC this year is Pittsburgh. I think that's probably fair. Yeah, this was this was kind of the game for biggest disappointment. Like. Loser is the biggest disappointment, and I think it's Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. We were having a disappointment off here. So I don't know. I, Pitt's got, I don't want to say Pitt has like existential issues. I think this is just like a down year for Pitt. Uh, I do think Wake's got some serious issues, but Wake's coming out looking a little bit better because they kind of just, I don't even know if Wake outcoached, like, I don't even know if Clawson outcoached Narduzzi here. It just kind of seemed like, you won the battle of backup quarterbacks, you know, I, I really try not to be like this. This is the ref's fault guy, like blame the officials guy. Yeah. But I had such an issue with 
the way that they officiated that uh, that final offensive snap for Pittsburgh that gave Wake the ball back. Like, yeah. I objectively, I, I disagree. You don't officiate that that way 99 times out of 100. Like, when you go back and watch it, I guess he's bending his knee after, you know, it, it, a bit, maybe like half a yard or so prior to the first down marker. But, I mean, 99 times out of 100, especially if he's not being touched, there's no one else there. Like, it's about at the moment that he hits the ground is where they yeah. spot the ball, where he was a solid half a yard past past the marker at that point. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's at some point, don't leave it in question. You know, and that's a, it's a coaching point for Christian Bayar is like, just, you know, I don't know, dive forward, step out of bounds, you know, take, take some contact, like do whatever you got to do to like, not leave it up to the referees in that moment. But, mm-hmm. um, cause again, it, it wasn't a super necessary slide. It's not like if he had taken two more steps, he was going to get crunched. Like there wasn't really anybody there. He had a blocker out in front of him, you know, but I just like that's not how you officiate that at almost any other point. This felt like an official's trying to insert himself and make himself the story almost at a, at a point. Like, and that's that's where I really have a problem with it. Yeah, for what it's worth, Narduzzi didn't, at least from what I saw, Narduzzi didn't like rail into the officials here, mm-hmm. which is something that he does. Right? Yeah. He didn't really do that after the game. It he takes said, less less than that to get him to, for sure, to get into the officials. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and he really didn't take a whole lot of issue with the officiating from what I saw. Maybe maybe somebody can send me something that speaks to the contrary. But from what I saw, he said Christian Vayer made a young quarterback mistake and there was no reason for him to slide there, Joey, which is the point you just made. No reason to slide there. You literally just run forward another two yards and just like dip out of bounds mm-hmm. and you pick up a new set of downs. Obviously you'd like for him to go down in bounds, but you pick up a new set of downs and the game is still over. <laughs> Wait. So, and I want to be very clear. I think wake had two timeouts, but there were only like 46 seconds or something like that to where you, even with two timeouts, you can burn 46 seconds and three kneel downs. Right. Like, right. Right. So, so even if he had dipped it, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if air had dipped out of bounds there and picked up the first down, the game was still over. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't have to take a shot there or anything like that. So there was really no reason for him to slide. I think he had good intentions, right? I think he was sliding to, you know, he thought he slid down to get the first down to end the game and stay in bounds. Mm-hmm. So the intent was good, but it just didn't work out. And I agree with what you're saying in terms of that's not how we usually officiate it, right? Like, 99 times out of 100, this is not how it's officiated. I get that, right? More often than not, I'm yelling at my TV. No, no, no. He started sliding before the marker, and they gave him the first down anyways. It's like the opposite, basically. But in this case, it was (laughs) they decided to follow the letter of the law down to the, you know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's, and yeah. Yeah, I didn't necessarily agree with it. And I mean, for what it's worth, I'm not sure that final touchdown pass uh, that was made by Marucci. I'm not a thousand percent sure that was a catch either. <laughs> so that's just kind of add insult to injury to Pittsburgh. But mm-hmm. yeah, not not ideal. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have a whole lot else here. I mean, I you know, I I will say the thing. You know, I'm I'm not that worried about Wake Forest. I think with with just with what this year has been. 
Um, I, I'm not that worried about him just because it's not like we've only seen one or two good years over a six or seven year tenure. You know, right. like Dave Clawson has consistently had this team performing above what we expected of them in the preseason. I think this is a, a bit of a rebuilding year. You had a bunch of guys leave. You had a couple of key injuries early. Like Mitch Griffiths has really not panned out the way you thought he might. Like there are there are things here that kind of some circumstances have kind of all come together that have made this team uh, less than what we expected. Yeah. I trust Dave Clawson. I don't know if it'll be next year or the year after that, but it won't take that long for them to be back kind of to where he had them. Um, assuming he's there and doesn't, yeah, you know, I don't know, retire or take the Northwestern job or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm not that worried about Wake considering what we've seen. I'm, I'm honestly not that worried about Pitt either. Like, I there's too much of a track record there for Pat Narduzzi that, like, yeah, I mean, they might maybe they miss a bowl game this year. At this point, they probably will. But like, are they going to miss a bowl game again next year? I wouldn't bet on that. Like, it's they're just a consistent consistent enough program that in the ACC, that's almost always good enough to win six plus games. They won 10 games two years ago, yeah. right? They won the conference championship and they won nine games last year. So I know the fun narrative around Narduzzi is like, Oh, you know, Pitt is, you know, they have a defined ceiling, all that stuff. That's a really fun narrative to play when you're two and five and you're having a down year. It's a real fun thing to do. But just like take a look back to last year and the year before and you see the evidence that kind of refutes it. This is this is going to be fine, I think. Right. Yeah. And, you know, maybe Narduzzi leaves and goes to Michigan State or something. That would be very funny. But I, I don't think that's going to necessarily happen either. Like, I think he's probably at Pitt for a while. So, yep. Yep. By the way, you can tell uh, producer Scott's not with us tonight. He's a. Uh trying to physically recover from a golf trip but we've had the uh north carolina virginia banner up on the uh on the video the whole time so he'll enjoy uh, as a reminder yeah. wake forest 21 pittsburgh yeah. 17 um mike i think i think that's all i got here anything else before we now keep now no. all set okay i'll remember to change the banner here uh, do we want to do the other ad reads now, or do you want to hold Yeah, on? let's just do them now. Uh, we're also presented by Homefield Apparel. So we talked about Section 103. Section 103 is fantastic. We're also presented by Homefield, our other apparel sponsor. Uh, they, again, officially licensed collegiate apparel, super soft stuff. Joey and I are both owners of uh, uh, multiple T-shirts. <laughs> like Very comfortable clothing from Homefield. I mean, I was until my wife stole them from me because right. they're so comfortable which tells you everything you need to know. Uh, Producer Scott mentioned that his wife, my sister, uh, also stole some of his, right? So that tells you everything you need to know. Very comfortable. Uh, Spouse-approved apparel for all your favorite ACC teams with the exception of Stanford, and we'll be beating that drum until they get some Stanford apparel. Mm -hmm. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout, uh, 20% off your, I'm sorry, 15% off your first order with Homefield. So go check that out. We are also presented by Vivid Seats. Uh, use the link that's in the show notes. Use the link that's on our Twitter account. Uh, whether you're watching this show uh, in post prod on YouTube or you're you're you know listening on your favorite uh, podcast provider, use the link that we provide. That's really really important that you do that. Then use the promo code BCPod20 for twenty dollars off your first order of two hundred dollars or more 
at Vivid Seats, going to catch a game with the remainder of the season. We still got plenty of football left here as we get into the back half of October. Use VividSeats.com, $20 off your first order, $200 or more using the promo code BCPOD20. Please do. Please do. If you're going to any live event these days, it probably costs you at least 200 bucks. So Yeah, it's just the way it is. Might so. as well get your money back. At least cover the services. A little bit of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> your tickets probably cost 100 bucks, and the service fees are the other 100 bucks. So uh, get a discount on the service fees. Yep. Um. All right. Should we just talk Boston College, mm-hmm. Georgia Tech? Get that mm-hmm. out of the way? Mm-hmm. Um, Banner. I, as, as mentioned, I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I was pretty peeved about the way this whole game went. There it is. Yep. Like real peeved. Um, again, I don't want to take anything away from Boston College. And our buddy Dan Rubin was, was, you know, messaging us, I think, a little bit late in the game, said, you know, wellness check on Joey. And then um, he also said something like, you know, I feel like Boston College could actually like win out and go nine and three and whatever. I, and again, they played a good game yesterday. I, I am not backing off of my stance that Boston College is <laughs> no. not a good team. No, that is not a very good team just because no. they beat Georgia Tech. I'm not saying I, I, I'm part of where I'm frustrated is that Georgia Tech should have been better than this team. Like they should have been able to win this game. And I thought they played actually fairly well in like the first quarter or so. Um, <laughs> kind of kept Castellanos, you know, behind the line, kind of yeah. made him beat him with his arm. The secondary seemed like they were a little bit on another planet today for Georgia Tech. Um, just guys running wide open at times that I, I don't know what happened there. There were some coverage breakdowns. Um, the tackling wasn't as much an issue, but certainly like, you know, angles and getting lined up were issues. I, it's just there were so many breakdowns on on that defense that were, were just so frustrating. Like and, and it was again, it, I think it was really mainly in the in the fourth quarter, like through three quarters, yeah, like Boston College had 17 points. Only 10 of those were by the offense because they did have a pick six that was on a luck box, like, oops, look what I found kind of interception. It, it, it was amazing until you, like, consider they didn't really mean to do that. Like, he right. just, it just sort of happened. Um, so it was a pick six in the first quarter. It was a terrible decision by Haynes King. He threw three interceptions. They were all terrible decisions. Um, I totally disagreed with him throwing every one of those balls. Like none of them were tipped or like lucky. It was just bad decisions, right? Like, you know, it didn't make sense in any of them. Um, He did have a couple of long runs and one in particular was like a 71 yard touchdown run. That was good. Um, Tech. I, I, I don't know, man. Like this is, this is the thing that just like drives me up a wall is, is try to make sense of this with me. If you would. Sure. I'd be happy to. Georgia Tech has played seven games this year. They have alternated mm-hmm. wins and losses in each of them. And I want, just for a second, I want to throw out the win over South Carolina State and the win at Wake Forest. Yeah. Because the same team has beaten Miami, hung with Ole Miss for three plus quarters, hung with Louisville for a full four quarters, <clears throat> got blown out by Bowling Green, and gotten blown out by Boston College. Mm hmm. Uh, what why why can this team not be anything that resembles consistent week to week like it is it is just a grab bag who the hell knows which team is going to come out on a given week which is why earlier today when i saw north carolina's favored by 14 in atlanta next week i don't know just take the jackets to win like 
Of course they will. Why not? Like, why would the team that just got blown out on their own field by Boston College not beat a top 10 North Carolina team? Of course they yeah. will. Irritating. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, Carolina is uh, 17th in the UA people. That doesn't change what Joey just said. Uh, this is a game that Georgia Tech wins. By the way. Uh, for no objective reasons, by the way. Yeah, for really no objective reasons. Uh, I have an answer to... You know why they're inconsistent? Mm-hmm. Rebuild. Rebuild. We just need to be specific about which rebuild we're talking Re- about here. Rebuild. Rebuild of what? Dog. This team was coached by Jeff Collins into the fucking ab- oh, sorry, <laughs> abyss. Like this, this was in this was in the abyss. As long as we're clear, it's the Jeff Collins rebuild and not the Paul Johnson rebuild because we're like five years off of that. Like, yeah, no, no, no. Yes. Okay. The Jeff Collins. Yeah, that that's okay. That I understand what you're saying now. Your point is well taken. (laughs) I thought we were still referenced. I thought we were having some confusion over Jeff Collins, which you are not one to have confusion over Jeff Collins. So I should have known better. (laughs) But that is why this team is inconsistent, right? This team's inconsistent, and Haynes King is not a perfect quarterback, right? We know that. We have seen the Texas A&M Haynes King over the last couple weeks, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we've seen. Last three weeks, really. Right, right, right. He made some big-time, big-time throws at the end of that Miami game, right? Uh, But for the majority of that game, he was not very good. (laughs) Like He wasn't great. They had no pass, and and, and Miami's got a, a good defense. So... I do want to take that into account, but Georgia Tech did not have a passing game in that Miami game whatsoever until the mm-hmm. final drive. They just yeah. did, and, and King made some big time throws. Can't take anything away, obviously, but the turnovers in particular, right? Like you cannot be turning the ball over, you know, four times in a game, right? Haynes King can't be throwing three really, really bad interceptions. You mentioned you disagreed with each one of the throws. That's because each one of them was a really bad decision, yeah. right? They were terrible. all really, really bad. Like it, he left no doubt. He threw them into harm's way. Uh, you know, he just bad, bad throws, bad throws, bad picks. No turnover luck involved there. Bad throws. This the what, third, the third one. I think you saw him throw the ball and then, like, basically as it leaves his hands, we we make the joke sometime of like the like try to get it back. Like no, 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 no. But like this one was like physically like reaching out trying to like grab the ball back out of the air like yeah he instantly knew it was a terrible decision before it got picked yeah and yeah i mean it was like a, a route got jumped and yeah it was like easy easy interception for boston college it was like the longest release point ever because <laughs> yeah. he just knew he was like trying to pull it back no uh, come back yeah yeah this is this is bad and, and to the boston college could win out point I love Dan, but also no, <laughs> bro. What? Like, no, no, no. I mean, look, they, they have UConn left. They have Syracuse, which, you know, Syracuse hasn't won a conference game yet, but there are some winnable games on the schedule. Boston College, I think, is in, is in really good position to make a bowl game. Right. Uh, I think they can certainly make one. But like they're this this team's not winning nine. The, the team that was in a slog with Virginia is not winning nine games. Like, that's just, this is not, and, and this Georgia Tech team, I, I understand Georgia Tech didn't play well in this game, but this game was tight in the fourth quarter. It's not like BC went on total cruise control and they were, 
they were up a million here. It was 23-17 going into the fourth quarter. Like Tech had the lead. So it's just I saw the BC interruption Twitter account. I think there was a, a turnover or was it a failed third down, whatever it was. They tweeted at one point, well, at least hockey season starts soon. And then the avalanche started for Boston College and it and the Twitter accounts, you know, totally changed changed tune, but it was right. like, you know, they, they knew what was coming and then it didn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. No. no, this is this is not a I'm dealing with the same thing with Virginia Tech Twitter. Oh, what if the Hokies went out and get to the ACC title game? What to lose by a million to Florida State again? Like this is that's not going to happen. Like, we don't need that. You don't. We don't need that in our lives. Uh, yeah, BC is not going to do that either. By the way, so they have UConn. They have UConn next week. Uh, BC. We'll we'll get into the preview later this week. Obviously, BC opens as a 12 point favorite against one win UConn. That's a game Boston College should win. Then they travel to the Carrier Dome on a Friday. I'm sorry, the JMA Wireless Dome, whatever, on a Friday night, short week here, um, in about a week and a half, to play Syracuse in a rivalry. What could possibly go wrong. Game? Rivalry, regional rivalry game. What could possibly go wrong on a short week in the dome, right? On a Friday night, yeah. On a Friday night, then they welcome Virginia Tech to Chestnut Hill which is a game they play every year. It's an improving Virginia Tech team, and that's certainly one of still one of the more winnable games on Boston College's schedule left. They have Pittsburgh, but that's on the road. Then they host Miami at the end of the year, which Boston College could absolutely beat Miami at the end of the year because that's just weird things happen to in Boston. Year Miami. In Boston. So, yes, there are winnable games left on the schedule. I think Boston College sitting here at four wins, if I had to... If I had to place a bet, yes or no, straight up, is Boston College going to make a bowl game? Today, I would bet yes. I think they're probably going to win two of their remaining five games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not going to win nine. No, 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 no. That like, would be fun. That would be fun. I just don't see it happening. I, I gave you 20 to 1 on Boston College going 5-0 and down the stretch. I, I, need bet, I need better than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no way. No way. Um. Yeah, I, I I was steamed all day yesterday at, at the way that this game kind of went. And I mean, I was on Twitter a little bit. I, I tweeted out something like there, there's been some talk in the last couple of years about Georgia Tech's attendance being bad. And some of the fans, you know, saying things like, well, I don't want to show up. I don't watch, you know, a good team, whatever. It's like I, I'm not saying that I would do the same. I Again, I live in Texas. I live 12 hours away. Mm-hmm. I I have two little kids. I'm not, I I don't really get to go to games anymore. If I lived in Atlanta, I didn't have kids. I'd probably be there if I'm being honest, like, you know, but uh, do I understand the thought process that a person would get, you know, used to say, I don't think I want to spend my money on season tickets or I want to spend my money going to, to these games when this team shows up at home and just lays eggs left and right. I understand that thought process and, yeah. and not saying that mine is the same, but I don't blame the people that think that way. And, yeah. and it sucks. And I mean, I just, I meant to do this research before, uh, before we came on here, but let's just do it here live uh, mm-hmm. on the show. And we'll do it live. <laughs> uh, Brent key at home against FBS teams since taking over as the interim last year. Overtime win against Duke, game that you had in control and almost lost somehow, uh, but yep. you won. 
Lost to Virginia, rough. Lost to Miami, game that got away from you in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So one and two last year. Now this year, do we count the Mercedes-Benz game? Maybe, maybe not. Close loss to Louisville. Uh, you Again, you beat the FCS team. Doesn't really count for this exercise. You lost to the FCS, uh, the FCS, the MAC team. Sorry, that's what I was trying to say, the MAC team. And you lost to Boston College. They have been bad, like outright bad at home under Brent Key. And I, again, I just, I don't know how to explain that. It is, it is just across sports in general. It is generally agreed upon that like there is such a thing as home field advantage that a team plays a little bit better when they're at home. Yeah. This team objectively plays worse at home. And that is something that I just have such a hard time coming to terms with. They're two and one in true road games this year. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It is incredibly frustrating. And I just, I can't make sense of it. I, it's absurd. We've talked a lot about the Georgia Tech offense and like the issues they had turning the ball over. We got another really bad Georgia Tech defensive performance here. Boston College had 563 yards of total offense. And can I read you some of the advanced stats here? <laughs> the first one that I went to was this game, this offense was ranked 91st in SP Plus coming to this game. This is not a good offense just because they racked up, you know, 500 some odd yards. But yes, please, please go ahead. Yeah, they looked every bit the part. Uh, expected points added per play, 0.28. That's the 89th percentile for Boston College. Uh, offensive success rate, 49%. That's the 83rd percentile. Yards per play, 7.97, 92nd percentile. EPA per rush, expected points added per rush, 0.35. That's a 92nd percentile. Yards per drop back, 8.82, 86th percentile. Explosive play rate, 13%. That's the 91st percentile. Bro, Georgia Tech defense, get it together, man. This BC offense, Joey mentioned it to you, 91st and SP plus coming into this game. This was not a good offense you faced on Saturday. You give up 563 and 38 points. Cannot happen. Mm-mm. Cannot happen. Nope. I Yeah. I would say this is a fireable offense if the uh, defensive coordinator hadn't already been functionally fired uh, earlier this year. And Whacker I don't know Packer. what Brent Key does to fix this. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you clear, you know, clean house on the defensive staff. You had a couple guys that were holdovers from Collins. Do you just get rid of them? Do you get rid of everybody? I don't I don't know what the answer is. And honestly, the leash on Brent Key after this year is not going to be that long. Mm-mm. Like, they need to make yeah. a bowl game next year. And if, if they don't, if, if I'm not mistaken, the contract is set up in a way that they can get out of it after next year without a uh, significant penalty. So, yeah, it's like th- this is the kind of thing that I need to see improve is beat the teams you, you're supposed to beat. They were a four and a half point favorite. We mentioned it on the on the preview. It went up to six morning of yeah. when we found out that uh, Pat Garwa wasn't playing. And mm-hmm. a little bit that's of, another thing. Uh, BC was out without their best running back, <laughs> and they still ran for three hundred yards. Yeah, not it's not good. So yeah, yeah. Georgia Tech's probably not making a bowl game, right? I'm looking at their schedule. No, yeah. This is not. I mean, I mean, barring if they do, upsets. it will definitively include an upset somewhere. Like it, it might include two. You might be favored at Virginia. You might be favored at home against Syracuse. But you will have to pull an upset either against North Carolina, at Clemson, or home against Georgia. (laughs) Let me tell you which one I want. You're a double-digit dog in every one of those games. Like. Let me tell you which one I don't think they're pulling an upset with, and that would be Georgia. Uh, It went well last year for a little while, but, yeah, I don't. What I, I will say this. Whatever I think of Georgia Tech, 
Georgia hadn't looked all that great this year. Nah, they haven't, but they, not... they will mail it in. And by the way, that's like after two straight weeks, I think against Tennessee and what Missouri or something like that. Like, yeah. I... It's a three, it's a three game season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well could be, could be more like two game season, depending on what we get out of the sec West. What did I say about Georgia Tech in the preseason win wise? Was it did I say five and seven or six and six? I think you thought they would get a bowl game. I think you said six and six. I was kind of torn between five and seven, yeah. six and six. And yeah. um I'm starting to think that four and eight, five and seven is where they'll end up. Uh, well, you downgrade them a full game by losing a game like this. Well, not even this one, honestly. This was a toss up in every sense of the word. Losing by two touchdowns is what's frustrating. The one that downgrades you is losing to bowling green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's that's the really painful thing to think is that you lost both of these games yeah. that were winnable, and you should be the better team on the mm-hmm. on those games at home. You would be what five and two, and yeah, like you're almost certainly going bowling at that point, but yeah. you're not. And I I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with this team or how to explain it, but it's it's incredibly just infuriating, and you should be better than this. They have a defensive problem, and they have a little bit of a quarterback problem. What point do we see uh, Zach Pyron get a couple drives? Probably pretty soon. Yeah, because Haynes King's thrown seven interceptions in his last three games. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, not helping your team win. Not great. Boston College 38, Georgia Tech 23. Um, I guess we should probably go to South Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because we have more. I I have more to say here than I do with Florida State Duke. Agreed. Uh, so yeah, let let's go here because this will be a little bit of a conversation. I think Miami twenty eight, Clemson twenty. Uh, as mentioned, Tyler Van Dyke didn't play in this game. I saw a great tweet. I forget if it was. I think it might have been from Alex Kirshner who I didn't catch this, but apparently at one of the uh, Mario Cristobal midweek press conferences, somebody <laughs> said you know there's a rumor that Tyler Van Dyke was injured and was kind of questionable coming into this game and. Chris Ball basically called him a liar, I guess, to his face of like, you know, how could you say something like that? And then Van Dyke just wasn't going to play tonight. And yeah, cool, Mario. Good job. Um, Clemson's offense, man. It I, I try. I, I've said it in the offseason. I was like, I really don't think that just hiring another coordinator is going to fix this thing. And I'm not even sure how much hiring this offensive coordinator stud, you know, we went to the national title game with TCU, all this stuff with Garrett Riley. I don't even know how much that was really like a, a definite fix at that point in that position. Right. Like schematically, there were some things that Clemson's trying to do here that just don't make sense. I the 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 quotes from Dabo, not even from this game, just in general saying, oh, we merged Garrett's stuff with Clemson stuff. Garrett being Garrett Riley. What does that mean? What does that mean? You have an offensive coordinator. Let him run his stuff. Let him run his scheme for the love of God. Your stuff hasn't worked in a few years. That's why you're bringing him in, in the first place. Let him run his stuff. Saying we're merging his stuff with Clemson's stuff, this isn't like an institutional thing. At least it should be. It's starting to look like it is, though, Joey. It's starting to look, It's starting to look a little bit like... There are too many cooks in the kitchen on offense, right? And I, I don't want to totally absolve Garrett Riley here, but those quotes from Dabo, and he said it multiple times, which is why I'm bringing this up. He said it multiple times, like, oh, 
there's like some stuff here to make it seem like it's not all just going to be Garrett Riley's show. Man, I just have some questions, man. Garrett Riley took a backup quarterback at TCU and took him all the way to a national championship last year. That guy didn't forget how to coach offense overnight. That's now that quarterback was a senior. The head coach is Sonny Dykes, who mm-hmm. is a well-regarded offensive coach. Mm-hmm. So do I think that them going to the national title game last year was all a Garrett Riley thing? No, I don't. Right. But if 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 we all just let Garrett Riley do his thing, do I think this is what you'd be seeing? Not really. No. So that's that's one point I want to make. The second point I want to make is Dabo made a comment this week in the media about again, and this is something else he's done multiple times about the fan base being a little bit spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy, buddy, I don't think this is a winning argument for you. Mm -mm. Uh, That money from your salary comes from somewhere. And boy, oh boy, I wouldn't want to piss those people off. It's interesting how Clemson has a defensive coordinator, like probably the best defensive coordinator in the sport, finally leave to take a head coaching job. Yeah. And they don't have a, you know, once or twice in a generation kind of quarterback. And all of a sudden, I'm not so sure how good of a coach Dabo is. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm just, you know... I've got questions, Mike. I don't know. Because this team for a couple years now, since since Brent Venables and Trevor Lawrence left, this team has not looked really that I'm, impressive. I'm so sick of this only because I'm a Patriots fan and I'm hearing the <laughs> same thing with the Belichick Tom Brady stuff. I am just so sick of it. What, that might be right? <sighs> <laughs> look on your face is excellent it's priceless (laughs) i'm not ready to go there i think that Dabo needs to take a hard look in the mirror i think he started to in last offseason when he made the offensive coordinator switch we gave him credit for it right that that was a change that he had to make we gave him credit for it i think he needs to continue to take a hard look in the mirror and adapt to what the rest of college football is doing. We've had the conversation before on this podcast about Nick Saban, Nick Saban going from power run to changed up offensive schemes to like this pass heavy spread offense and him hating everything about it and him being very public about how he hated it, but it's what he had to do because the way the game was trending because we know that Nick Saban would like nothing more than to win games like 14 to six, but he's, he knows that that's not going to be a viable long-term thing for him. And he's correct. And he won a couple additional national championships because he switched that philosophy. In my opinion, Dabo's got to do something similar here, right? He's got to really change philosophies on the transfer portal. And this is something that could be fixed very, very quickly with the way Clemson recruits high schools because Clemson is still recruiting at a very high level. Uh, They can remediate this thing very quickly uh if you get up with the times a little bit and bring in some impact players in the transfer portal because there are a lot of wide receivers in particular we've talked about clemson having a wide receiver and quarterback problem the last couple of years 
there are a lot of wide receivers who would love to come to Clemson because if you take a look at your television on Sundays, there are a lot of former Clemson wide receivers playing in the pros. Mm -hmm. And Dabo puts guys in the pros. If you have a veteran wide receiver who's coming from uh, even like a, a group of five school that's been you know, uh, all conference caliber player, they can come to Clemson and become an all American type player with the way that Clemson's offense historically has put wide receivers in position to succeed. It would be a very attractive spot for those types of players. If Dabo would just utilize the transfer portal, he won't do it. That's on him, right? That is on him. Uh, and I think they have some existential issues within the program right now, offensively, really. Defense, I think, is still fine. Uh, Miami had 362 total yards in this game. Had a lot of trouble moving it, really, for like three and a half quarters. Figured so I think it out. Most late. of them were in the fourth quarter, if not in the back half of the fourth quarter. Figured it out late, and you have to wonder too. Like Clemson was in control here; it was like 17 to seven, and it was ugly. But they were kind of putting this thing on cruise control. I thought I was really focused on the Florida State game because that was still competitive, and then I flipped over to the Utah USC ending when you texted me and you said, do you see what's happening to Clemson? Like Clemson's about to lose. Right. Uh, and that was in regulation when Mario Cristobal decided that he was going to take a knee and send it to overtime inexplicably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I, Clemson's got some existential issues offensively. Cade Klubnik went rogue on the final play in overtime on fourth mm-hmm. down. It was supposed to be an inside run, and he decided he was going to keep it and run to the outside. So, that signals to me that he's got a total lack of trust in what his coaches are calling, right? He's got a total lack of trust in Garrett Riley and Dabo, which is something to monitor. And I don't think that I don't think Kate Klubnick's all that good, by the way. In fact, I think I'm starting to think just with the way the DJU is playing out at Oregon State and the way the DJU played it at points last year, by the way, I'm starting to think Kate Klubnick might be a considerable step down, considerable step down. Is it that Cade Klubnik is objectively bad, or is Cade Klubnik not getting very good coaching? Both. 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 Right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've been pretty consistent with this, actually, honestly, in the whole life of this podcast of, you know, the, the whole thing with, uh, there, there was a quote from one of the Iron Man movies of, you know, take away the suit and what are you? And he's like, oh, you know billionaire philanthropist playboy something or other that you know mm-hmm. that tony stark says mm-hmm. it's like take away a couple of these pieces around you Dabo. what are you mm-hmm. i i don't know that you know again a couple of these things leave can Dabo draw up an offense that's going to help clemson win games not necessarily no i don't think so that's why he made the garrett riley hire right so you got to let him coach a, a year point. after he didn't he had a year mm-hmm. last year of no Brent Venables and no superstar big name offensive coordinator. And dude, that team, I mean, they were 11 and three, but they, they almost lost how many times last year? It didn't have to be like this, man. It didn't. It did not have to be like this. Nope. Uh, they're four and three, Mike. Do you know? So here's a fun stat mm-hmm. from 2012 through 2020 Clemson under Dabo Swinney had one year that they had three losses. They went, they had three losses in a season once in mm-hmm. from 2012 to 2020. Mm-hmm. This is the third year in a row that Clemson is at three losses and we're not out of October yet. Yeah, man. 
Clemson yeah. has to go on the road next week to go play the textile bowl against NC state. Then point favorite. they got Notre Dame coming in. Then they got Georgia tech coming in. Then they got North Carolina coming in and yeah. then they got to go to South Carolina. Yeah. I think we're going to see our first four loss season from Clemson since 2011. And we might be seeing our first five loss season from Clemson since 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think this is, I, I don't think it'll be six and six. See Kevin Carpenter on the screen, seven and five year from Clemson, six and six. I think seven and five is definitely on the table. Mm-hmm. Definitely on the table. Uh, I think probably the most, I think the most likely outcome is eight and four still. Just NC State's got nothing to offer offensively. Yeah, and I mean def- defensively, NC State's been decent, right? So could NC State ugly it up for a bit? Yeah, but NC State has also shown against opponents kind of similar to Clemson, where if Clemson decides they just want to run the ball like thirty times. NC State will break eventually. It's kind of what Notre Dame did to them. So if I, I pick I, Clemson to lose that game, it's for non-football reasons. It's right. Carter Finley right. road game, you know, just a little heads up going into the preview. Notre Dame, I think, is definitely losable. I think that's a tough. That's going to be kind of a tough matchup for Clemson. Notre Dame's defense is real. They shut down Ohio State. They shut down. They shut down Ohio State pretty much the entire game. They shut down uh, a, a very good USC offense. Clemson's All of last offense, week, yeah. Yeah, Clemson's offense is going to be like the fifth or sixth best offense that Notre Dame sees this year. So Clemson's defense be damned. Like, I think that'll be a low scoring game. But I think that's a game Notre Dame wins. Probably a home underdog situation for Clemson. Yeah, yeah I think I think so. And then Georgia Tech, I mean, Clemson will be favored there. They host Carolina, which I think is a losable game. But Carolina is not immune to what we just saw <laughs> and, then, and then South Carolina end of the year, South Carolina, some ass. Uh, they're not very good. They have a lot of trouble protecting Spencer Rattler. I think Clemson's defense going into that game is going to have a distinct advantage. And I, I just wonder how much they're going to score there, but it's a rivalry game. They lost it last year in death Valley, the South Carolina defense, uh, the South Carolina team is not drastically different from a year ago. This is a game that Clemson could lose again. So th- there are there are some losses to be had here. I was going to say counterpoint on South Carolina is that uh, South Carolina is on a winning streak in that rivalry. <laughs> the winning streak is one, but they're yeah. on a winning streak. We'll, we'll yeah. call it that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Clemson, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like the, the most impressive they've probably looked is having a near miss against Florida State. I mean, having a field goal at the end of the fourth quarter to win the game and uh and you know missing it and losing it overtime like yeah other than that remember last week they just kind of rolled their helmets out there and beat wake by five i I mean i don't know i i am so unimpressed with clemson for and have been really for almost all this year i don't know what's going on there Uh, but something is different and something's not quite right over the last like three years and I feel like the best of Clemson is behind us. I think they are officially back down to earth and they are beatable. They are not the invincible, you know, invulnerable machine that they were five years ago. Like just full stop. They're not. And I don't know that I don't know that they'll get back there 
I, I would be surprised if they do. I would be surprised if they do, if Dabo continues to just not use the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I think if he uses the portal, I don't think like all the issues go away, but I think a lot of them do. They just have they have a playmaker issue at receiver. They have issues on the offensive line. Um, I think the play calling starts to look a lot better if you have like dudes at receiver. They haven't had dudes at receiver in a while. And I acknowledge the quarterback point for sure. But they're still recruiting five stars at quarterback. Not every not all five stars are created equal, but they look a lot better when you have like actual like four and five star receivers to throw to, which yeah. Clemson just hasn't had in a few years. So yep. this can get yep. fixed with the portal. They it's going to require another philosophical change from Dabo, though. And I'm not going to hold my breath there. By the way, Dabo after this game uh said that they have a sports psychologist. They might want to commit suicide. Dabo. I don't think you can I, oh I my get God. I get the joke he was going for, but like that's not something I think you can say in 2023. So he's getting some blowback there, which I yeah. understand. Yeah, the whole uh what was the the Brian Kelly quote two years ago? Yeah, the uh, state executing. Um, he quoted he quoted yeah. some coach from the 70s or something like that saying he was gonna execute his whole team. Yeah, and that went over like a fart in church, basically. Um, yeah, a fart in church, yes. <laughs> exactly what happened everybody was Um, very confused i did want to call out something that happened in this game that was uh a a kind of a bizarre moment um it was late in the first quarter clemson goes on a 13 play 84 yard drive and hand it off to will shipley he is gonna punch it in and mike where have we seen this before will shipley fumbles into the end zone it is recovered by miami and uh, so that again, that obviously brings up memories of the Duke game to start the year, mm-hmm. and uh, that that was pretty rough. And then on the next play, Miami hands it off to uh, who? To, oh, I lost the name here. It was to Brashard Smith, who goes eighty yards up the gut, up the middle. Except Clemson tackles him on about the one yard line and punches the ball out. And basically the same thing going to happen on two straight plays of the teams fumbling into the end zone recovered by the other, except uh, Jacoby George, if I'm not mistaken, was decided for whatever reason to stay with the play, ran it all the way down and was in position to fall on it. He was the only other Miami player within like 15 yards in the middle of like four or five Clemson defenders. Yep. And uh, that was a huge hustle play. They got Miami their first touchdown that, clearly made a huge difference because that was the last time they scored until about midway through the fourth quarter. If I'm not yeah. Mistaken. Really a huge swing in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can talk about the late game management by Mario Cristobal, which, yeah. you know, he's going to continue to do this. So I don't want to just like continue to harp on that. This is just something that he does. Uh, but, you know, there were some plays made here in the first half that really decided the outcome. And that was a huge swing in the game. Yep. The Mario Cristobal thing, by the way, just, to, to bring this up while we uh, while we're talking about it and to be complete here. Uh, Clemson gets the ball back with a little under two minutes left. They go three and out in a drive that takes 25 seconds off the clock. Basically do nothing. Miami gets the ball back on their own end of the field. They're at the, you know, not quite their own 30 yard line yeah. with about a minute and 26 left. And I believe they had at least one, if not multiple timeouts at their disposal. Yep. Mario Cristobal elects to use none of them, and uh, they, they complete a pass for six. They run. 
there was an incomplete pass and then there was a run and that's the end of the game. Yeah. Like did not even make an attempt to go down. It's a tie game, by the way, you're, you're just playing for overtime instead of seeing if we can get our kicker in position to have a makeable field goal to win the game in regulation. And instead you're going to go play overtime, toss up Palooza like, and Clemson, what? and Clemson is just so bad offensively that Mario Cristobal got rewarded for that terrible decision, which makes me sick. Your last two drives were 15 plays, 75 yards touchdown, and 10 plays, 43 yards field goal. You yeah. have been moving the ball for the first time all game, and you basically just decided, nah, I don't need that. We'll play for overtime. Like, yeah. What are we doing? Ridiculous. Meanwhile, I mean, things are looking up for Miami, I will say. Yeah, strangely, things are <laughs> like, looking up. You had yeah. to have it. I mean, mm -hmm. you had to have it. Yep. You got it. You figured it out. And now your reward is you get to play Virginia this Saturday. So. I, say, I, I will say this, Mike, and I, I'm happy to admit to it now. I think Miami's going to a bowl game this year. I, I think oh, they will you? be playing postseason football in South Florida. I think they will. The one thing I've always called you is bold. So. <laughs> There you go. All right. Miami's Miami's five and two. Virginia, NC State, Florida State, Louisville, and BC. Obviously, the two toughest games are Florida State and Louisville. You travel to Tallahassee, that'll be tough. Uh, but you also host Louisville. And by the way, Miami is good enough to be in both of those games and to win either one of them. So I don't want to just totally dismiss Miami like they're not a very good team. I think I still think Miami's got plenty going for them if Van Dyke's healthy and taking care of the football. He did my whole thing on the preview was that he would turn the ball over a bunch in this game, but plot twist. He just didn't even play. So he didn't have to worry about that. Hard to turn the ball over when you don't get onto the field. So, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Third toughest game. I think remaining for Miami is probably at Boston college Thanksgiving weekend, <laughs> not because Boston college is outstanding, but because there's a chance that you've lost to Florida state. And then you've got the requisite loss after, you know, losing to Florida state, lose the next game. And then you've got, you know, on, you know, Anyways, we, we've got more time this season. We'll get to that. And it's a bunch of South Florida kids playing at Chestnut Hill in late November. So mm -hmm. it's just have fun with that. Yeah. Miami 28, Clemson 20 in double overtime. Mike, last one. So I, I don't really have I don't really have a ton here. I was seeing some. I don't either. I, I, I was ha I saw some comments circulating on social media during this game talking about oh, Duke's Duke's real Duke's this Duke's Duke's that Duke has a very good defense mm -hmm. right uh very well coached best, very well coached one of the best in the ACC one of the, one of the best in college football actually they have a very very good defense no doubt about it defense was a huge reason they were in this game to begin with early on this played out kind of how I thought though the de the defensive score I was not anticipating Florida State to go down like that early I was not anticipating that but over the course of this game, this kind of played out like I thought, right? If Riley Leonard was going to be healthy, it was going to be a slog. Florida State was going to be in for it early, and then I thought they would kind of hit the gas pedal, and that would be it. That's what happened. And did Riley Leonard's second-half injury contribute to it? Of course it did, right? Of course it did. But I, I made this point on Twitter this morning. It wasn't like Duke was moving the ball all that well even when Leonard was in the game, right? So 
Duke kicked a field goal, and this was this was before the pick six, right? To to get to 17 points. Duke kicked a field goal with 648 to go in the first quarter to take a 10-0 lead. They had a good start to the game, right? That was off of a turnover on downs from Florida State that was different discussion. But anyways. Uh, we need to stop going for it on fourth and less than five from negative territory. We just need to stop doing things like that. If your opponent can kick a field goal without getting a first down, don't go for it on fourth down. This like, isn't Madden. This isn't NCAA. Like, you don't get do-overs. Here's Duke's drive chart after that field goal to go up 10 nothing with 6.48 to go in the first quarter. You ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> punt, interception, field goal, punt, downs, punt, downs, end of game. Yeah. It was bad, man. Like yep. it was bad. They couldn't. They couldn't move the ball in Florida State flat out. They just couldn't do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Duke. Duke needs to be perfect to win these types of games, and it, it's a lot of it has to do with Duke, and some of it has to do with the opponent too, right? The opponent's got to play down to you too. Florida State didn't play down to Duke enough in this game for Duke to be competitive for four quarters. That's that's it here, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's it. Duke could not move the ball in this game. They couldn't. I mean, they they had. They had some success running it, right? They, they did in fits and starts, had some success running it. But you can't put up like 250 total yards of offense and expect to win a game like this on the road against a top five team. You just can't do it. Yeah. And Florida State's explosiveness really just got the best of Duke. Duke's got a very good defense. It wore down. Mm-hmm. It wore down. Henry Bling comes in the game, right, when when Leonard gets hurt. And it was a wrap. And I, I tweeted this and I messaged you about this too. I didn't really understand why Elko didn't take the points. They were inside the Florida State 10. Bolin was on it. It was his first possession of the game. He, he was in and just they, they had no semblance of a passing game for the second consecutive week with him in the game. They didn't really have any semblance of a passing game. And I was like, man, why are they going for it here? You know, take the points to which you brought up. Well, Elko probably doesn't think they're going to get in the red zone again. Yeah, this, this is, is like their last, last chance, chance to score points, basically. Right. Right, their last good chance to really put like a touchdown on the board. Point well taken. That's probably what he was thinking. So yeah. this is just I, I don't want to condemn this as a Florida State slow start game because I, I want to give Duke the proper respect, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. The Travis pick six is not great. <laughs> like that can't happen. Wasn't a great decision on his end. No, it, it wasn't a good throw. It wasn't a good decision. And Duke's got a good defense. He'll make you pay. And I don't want to chalk this up as like slow start, not paying attention game for Florida State, because I do think Duke had their full attention. And I said that on the preview. I thought they would. And Florida State came in and looked ready to play. They certainly mm-hmm. did. And Duke just hung in there early. But this wasn't like a Boston College type deal where Florida State just rolled the helmets out. That or no. a Virginia Tech, even like a Virginia Tech type deal, right? Where mm-hmm. Tech played well in the second quarter, Florida State was a little bit asleep at the switch, and then had to like hit the gas again. I thought this was a good performance by Florida State. That's my mm-hmm. takeaway. I thought this was solid. Yeah, and no, I I, I agree with that. Um, it, I think so. Some of my thinking in taking Duke and the points here was that their defense is good, and I think part of that not only is the, the you know the players do the right thing in terms of coaching, but also like schematically. I think some of the stuff that Mike Elko does with that defense is it's enough to like confuse even some really good quarterbacks and good offensive lines and such. Like, yeah, 
Duke is I, I was thinking Duke was gonna find a way to muddy this game up and kind of keep it close. And they did for a they long did. time. They you know? did. Yeah. And, they did. and yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, Florida State goes it turns it over on downs, their first two offensive possessions. And mm-hmm. the first one, they were kind of on the edge of field goal range. They went for it on fourth and one. Duke stuffed them. I mean, that was a, a an incredible moment. Good, good play by Duke. Uh, the second one was, yeah, I mean, they were they had the ball in the 36, their own 36 yard line. Duke ran, you know, three plays for seven yards and kicked a field goal. Like that's not mm-hmm. that's not a moment that I would be going for going forward on fourth down. Um, Florida State didn't play scared of Duke's offense, right? Like I think that that decision in particular just yeah. kind of points to that they were not concerned about duke's offense in this game well and duke had the ball 10 times in this game it had 10 possessions mm-hmm. i would say three of them were like definitively good drives yeah maybe four if you include the garbage time final drive of the game when yeah. the thing was over and decided um you had the first drive with six plays 64 yards touchdown that was you know good script schemed up the whole thing that was nice you had a 14 play 58 yard drive late in the in the late in the first half that ends in a field goal and then you had as you mentioned the drive that was 10 plays 57 yards goes all the way down uh Riley Leonard gets hurt you put in Henry Boleyn and you go for it on fourth down and you miss yeah. it uh, because that was your last shot other than that yeah the offense did not do a whole lot of anything on the other six plus possessions basically yeah um which you know not surprising but yeah I I never thought that Florida State – this is honestly probably about as engaged as I've seen Florida State through a full four quarters yeah. all year almost. Yeah. Maybe other than, I don't know, Clemson or something like that. But, like, they were fully engaged from start to finish. And just – I think Duke did a lot to get themselves a lead and and make this difficult for Florida State. Right. The other big takeaway that I had here and something that we need to keep an eye on with Duke is if, if Riley Leonard is not going to be playing – I don't think this coaching staff trusts Henry Boleyn to do anything no, but no. hand it off. They don't. They no. won't even try throwing it. They won't try a read option. Like no. it's just handoff, 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 handoff. Like, and that's it. Even in the game, they were down. Henry Boleyn on like three drives finishes one of six passing. Like they didn't even yeah. want to try it. And They're concerned about his decision making, right? In the yeah. run game and the passing game. I think that's a really good point. Mm hmm. Straight handoff, no read option, nothing. It's like give the ball to him and get out of the way. Yeah, which man, that is really gonna handcuff your offense if if you don't trust your quarterback to throw it. Yeah, and you yeah. don't trust him even to keep it in the run game. Like we talk about option ass offense. This is like a nineteen tens pre option ass offense. Like just three yards in a cloud of dust at best like yikes <laughs> duke duke ran 22 passing plays for 76 yards as 3.45 yards per play on passing downs that's just simply not going to get it done mm-hmm. six of those i understand were Berlin, but come on man i i will say that i am left to wonder how does this game go if riley leonard is 100 percent I, I absolutely think Duke could have kept this within two touchdowns if Riley Leonard is is a hundred percent for the full game. Um, <clears throat> I still don't. I still don't know. I, I the only reason I say I don't know is because Duke's offense wasn't doing all that much to move it with him in the game, and I just think that Duke defense was getting worn down. Yeah. Now I think they would have had a much better. I mean, this was an eighteen point game. Spread was fourteen and a half. So I'm not saying you're you're absolutely wrong. 
you know, could could Duke Duke obviously would have had a much better chance to score point. I mean, first of all, Elko probably would have taken the three. <laughs> we're, we're talking about that red zone possession mm-hmm. where he went for it. He might be taking the three there if you know you have Leonard healthy because you're like, all right, let's just get points here, get out of dodge, you know. Um, you would have gone up six there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you just take the points there. But I. Yeah, I mean, this was just trending in a direction where Florida State was kind of grinding this Duke defense to a pulp in the second half. They were just really having trouble because Duke couldn't stay on the field offensively. That was with Leonard or without him. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, Florida State, by the way, only had the ball four times in the second half. Four plays punt, 14 plays touchdown, seven plays touchdown, five plays touchdown. Like Efficient, yeah. 21 points on four drives in the second half. That'll uh, that'll do. Yeah, that works. That that scores you a lot of points. Chad Bracey, Travis finally ran in the second half and waiting to see that all season. Yeah, I I had that thought late in the game. I saw him scramble a couple times or, you know, keep it on a on a read option thing that a lot of times you don't see him do. And it's like, I was wondering a little bit if there was any amount of panic or uh, feel the need to kind of break glass in case of emergency on that Florida State sideline of like, Jordan, we need you to uh, use your legs a little bit here more than yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll put you in harm's way to make sure that we can win this game. It was funny because it felt like right as Jordan Travis started using his legs, all of a sudden here comes Keon Coleman. <laughs> like mm-hmm. All of a sudden Coleman's springing loose. He makes another ridiculous catch over the middle. He makes one of those a week. Yeah, Another crazy one-handed catch last. It, it was on like a 12 or 13-yard pass play. Another just ridiculous catch, though, over the middle of the field. It's just what mm-hmm. he does at this point. Yeah. Uh, he only had two catches in this game. Yeah. By the way, so credit yeah. to Duke for containing him. Johnny Wilson had five catches, but then he left. I think it was in the third quarter, and I don't know. That he, I don't think it was very clear how injured he was. It could have been like got the wind knocked out of him. It could have been a concussion. It could have been any number of things um, that I, I don't know that we got a lot of clarity on. So we'll have to keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Florida State thirty-eight, Duke twenty. Uh, Mike, that's all I have. Do we need to give out some awards? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, as mentioned, the Go ACC moment of the week, Mike. We uh, we tell a lot of jokes on this podcast. The uh, the one that was not a joke was the uh, the whole uh, the CW thing. Yeah. There's yeah. some CW magic going on in some of these games, by the way. Yeah, so they, they were, after Virginia's upset when they were uh, interviewing Tony Elliott, and they were just in the middle of getting a question out to Tony. How do you feel about this? You know, your team's upset when yada, yada, yada. Just before he could answer, the CW said, you know what? The hell with Tony Elliott. It's time for home improvement, baby. Here comes Tim Allen and the home improvement team song. Got a this laugh track in the background. Like, it's perfect. This is what this is what happens when UVA plays football in the CW. Let me tell you. Yep. So <laughs> go ACC to that, to just the whole CW production crew. Um, it's still a work in progress, let's put it that way. Yeah. By the way, I, our guy Adam Parker uh, texted me saying, not sure he was going to make the live show, but wanted to make sure we included a, a note of new CW show, ACC Ref Diaries. <laughs> Your favorite documentary is going to be uh, debuting this fall on the CW. Good. Look, looking forward to tuning in for that. <laughs> uh, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award, Mike. We uh, we haven't talked about this yet. I feel like the Georgia Tech defense is a candidate. Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime you give up all over 570 yards to an offense, it's not any good. 
Yep. You tried. You tried to give the people a reason to show up to your game, and uh, yeah. it didn't go so great. Yeah. I, I also want to give an honorary You Tried Award to ACC officials for trying to be by the book mm-hmm. in the Pitway Forest game. Mm-hmm. Just the whole being consistent thing. Uh, I would say you tried, but you really didn't try to be consistent. You, you tried to be by the book, and just didn't really work out for Pittsburgh in particular. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, do we have a, a Kobe award? I don't know that anything stuck out to me Kobe-wise this week. Oh, uh, I think we might have one in Pit Wake Forest. Yeah, that was, <laughs> there was some rough, uh, rough offense in that game, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Justice Allison had 20 carries for 60 yards for Wake Forest. So Yeah, that'll do. Kobe! That's pretty gross. Yeah. Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award. Yeah, that was pretty gross. You can also give it to Drake May, uh, even though his you know passing yards look good. I mean, he was 24-48. So, I mean, yes, he threw for 347. It took him damn near 50 attempts to get there and only completed half of them. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had the thought about, oh, uh, what was the, uh, Emery Williams, too. Uh, 24 for 33, 24 of 33 for 151. Mm-hmm. That 24 is completions than... for 151. That's you gotta be really trying hard. Yeah, that's a shade short of five yards really an attempt and about six yards per completion. So, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, gotta be trying. Kobe hard. to you as well. No doubt about it. Um, Mike, do we have a player of the week? Oh, I mean, I, I think my can is Thomas Castellanos. Thomas Castellanos, he was good. He's my he's my candidate. That's one. I thought about Mike Hollins with three touchdowns for Virginia. Not a ton of yards, but uh, three huge plays down in uh, short yardage situations. Good yeah. On him. Yep. And then Jordan Travis. I mean, just mm-hmm. had like 350 all-purpose yards. He had a good game as well. Yeah, he sure. was good. He was good. Team of the week. I'll go Miami. I think it's got to be Miami. Uh, so. Well, just kidding. I think I think the team of the week is actually Virginia. <laughs> well, also, yeah, Virginia. Definitely Virginia. Yeah. I don't mean to troll. <laughs> uh, and, and just to make sure. Virginia is awesome. Yes, we got that drop. And also, just so Virginia knows I mean it, I have another award to give out. Uh-oh. It's, Uh-oh. Don't worry. It's, it's one I've given out before. Okay. All right. It's the, you, it's, it's the Queen Elizabeth II Memorial You Died Award. <laughs> that goes to North Carolina. Ugh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh wait, I got honorable one. mention. Georgia Tech bowl chances. I got, I got another one. Oh yeah, that that, that is an honorable mention. Those, those certainly died. Uh, the Lee Corso Memorial. I had a stroke award. Goes to Cade uh, Klubnik for stroking out on the final play in double overtime. Phrasing Rook, and uh, <laughs> stroking out in a way that yeah, he'd like to stroke out in different ways. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say this is a family program, but we're like an hour and 40 minutes in. So uh, you get what you, you you get what you deserve at this point in the production. <laughs> if you're listening to this in the drive through line, I apologize. Oh, your, your kids may have some jokes to tell their ter- third grade teacher. And that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Uncle Mike. Remember, I have a kid of my own now. <laughs> so, and you don't want to wait to teach him all the jokes you teach us. Yeah, you don't want to see the Instagram DMs between Joey and I. That's for damn sure. 
Yeah, that's uh, not a great situation. Anyways, uh, that's not that's not for Charlie, Lucy, or Noah to see. No, 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 it is not. It is not. Mike, that's all I got on week eight. Anything else? No, I think we should get out of here before I get us in trouble. I I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Let's get out of here. We're going to come back and preview week nine. I don't know if that'll be a, a live preview or not, but if you want to know if it's, if it's going to be live, go to youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon, and you'll be notified if we're going live to preview week nine. Uh, we, we're pretty much done with bye season, by the way, bye weeks. And uh, we've got a Thursday night game. Crazy. We've got, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we got a whole bunch of games next week, and we got eight games to preview. So uh, a full slate as everyone is back in action next weekend. So keep it tuned here. We'll get you ready for those games later this week. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns. The longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, big thanks to the people in the chat tonight, by the way. A lot of up. people in the chat. Appreciate yeah. that. It's a school night, baby. That's right. That's Almost right. Monday. Um, important to note, by the way, before we get out of here and, and totally <laughs> ignore the people from the chat, Chad Bracey, we, we must keep FSU off the CW at all costs. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with that. I'm good with that. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, all those good places you find your podcast. If you're listening to this in the audio format after the fact, go find us there. Uh, Mike, where else are we in the social medias? We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there at Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. We're also on YouTube, like Joey mentioned, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Subscribe. Uh, throw us some reviews also on mm-hmm. Apple and Spotify in particular. Those really help us out. Reviews, ratings, all Absolutely. those good things. Helps us with advertisers and sponsors and all that stuff. We could really use to the help there. So mm-hmm. take sure two does. minutes. Take two minutes rating a review. We'd appreciate it. Big thanks to y'all who have done that for us in the past. Thank you. Thank you. Mike, I think that's all I got. You want to come back and preview week nine? Yeah, we got Thursday night football in Blacksburg this week. And I will let's be at a weird. Re- I will be at a rehearsal dinner for my good friend Colin. boy. So, shout out to Colin. Shout out to Colin getting married this week. That's right. Colin's so. seen me at my worst. We're good. And we've seen probably Colin at his worst. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen Colin at his worst too. That's probably fair too. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was dead at that brunch let me tell yeah, you that was a that was a tough scene that was rough yep all right well until next time for mr mike mcdaniel i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we will talk to you again soon and until then go acc